0: welcome to here come the sequels a full spoiler podcast where we take a look at popular film franchises one movie at a time i'm tyler and i'm rosebud
1: joseph you know what you did wrong i mean i'm alex and sorry i'm
2: (laughs) sorry guys that alex's asmr there really oh really got me but uh i'm britain and i'm i'm awake um. Blah, 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 blah. All right. Wh- whisper, ah.
1: Whispering one word. I mean, I'm just magical. Oh, it's just something I don't know, man. Guy that got the got those ASMR tingles. <laughs> ah, so is that what it's called? <laughs> what, are
2: we, what are we What are we doing today? <laughs> <laughs> well, Britton, you're
0: on a podcast. Uh... <laughs> yeah,
2: guys, stay tuned. Uh, our, we don't have a Patreon, but if we did, we'd have HDTS ASMR, <laughs> <laughs> which I guess would just be us like reading. <laughs> Like, I don't know, MCU updates, but, like, while we're pretending to cut your hair. <laughs> uh, oh, talk- it, looks, it looks like uh, Topher Grace is rumored to be in the... Oh, oh, oh.
0: <laughs> Keep talking. Me, we're, we're talking about uh, Oceans 8. Uh,
1: yes, we are, we are finishing off the Oceans franchise. <laughs> At least
0: I thought we were. <laughs> We sure okay. are.
1: Ocean's 8. All there, right, I have also said something. So now we're all in agreement. Uh, Ocean's 8 from 2018, directed by Gary Ross. It has a 69% critic score on Rotten Tomatoes nice. and a 45% audience score. Wow, really? I mean, okay, I shouldn't be surprised <laughs> by that. <laughs> I was going to say. about do, it for I, two seconds. Let's remember what, what – uh, Uh, movie review website we're on yes yeah fair point this was interesting when uh i
2: gary ross obviously you you just said the director he has a really interesting filmography he he hasn't he's written more movies than he's directed Mm -hmm. but like for for not being like a big name auteur he has a really impressive string of movies like he made pleasantville and sea biscuit free state of jones this um I can't remember. He made another one. There's only like one movie of his that I don't know how Free State of Jones was received, but like Seabiscuit and Pleasantville are both quite liked, Mm -hmm. to my understanding. Yeah, some some people quite like this one. I don't know what people think about Free State of Jones, but he made it's like he only made one movie that was like not considered very good, Um, which is interesting for somebody who you know isn't like a big a big
1: name. Oh, Hunger Games. There's Hunger Games, right, obviously. Right, right. But also, like, I think he, he wrote big. Mm-hmm. Wait, what What was the movie that, that people didn't like? Free State of Jones. Um, of the,
0: I think, oh, was there another one? Because I think Free State of Jones was not super well-received. Yeah,
2: Free State of Jones, I guess, was, was the one that I'm thinking of. The Free State of Jones was the, like, okay. is, like, the lowest Metacritic score
0: or whatever. Sure. For whatever okay. that means. And I don't know if
2: anybody thinks about Seabiscuit anymore. But I remember <laughs> at the time, it was, like, quite quite liked. Um like that famous so I think, phrase. I uh,
0: remember the sea biscuit.
2: <laughs> Dan Dan McCoy of the Flop House has a sea biscuit impression that goes, "Hey, it's me Sea Biscuit, the world's most popular horse. Gotta go."
1: <laughs> and that's the whole character. I took a swig of water right as you were getting into that. <laughs> I would like to speak to to not to toot my own horn, but I was able to control myself very well during that. <laughs>
2: Ah, bragging about his glottal strength over here. <laughs> that's that's how you know his ASMR is so good. <laughs> Guys, who wants to go first with best and worst? Clearly, I shouldn't be trusted with language Correct. right now.
0: <laughs> that's accurate, Britton. Um, <laughs> I... Uh, I can I can do it. Um while while you two Taken while, while you two Yahoo's Ty- figure it out. Tyler uh,
1: Tyler I want you to go back in the editing and just mute us for the next
0: 5 minutes and good. just
1: like get all your thoughts out I, and then you can come back. I'll do
0: that. I'll mute you for the first 5 minutes as well. <laughs> um in fact for the entirety of the episode. Sure. Uh Yeah. My my worst thing about this which I'll start with cuz that's the one on the top of my head. Um I felt like this movie really struggled to have momentum for the first like 2 thirds Um I ultimately like the plot. I like where we get. I like the character stuff. I, I like the interactions. I like I like where we go with this movie. Um but I feel like it does not have much energy for a while. Mm. Um and I think, so, so part of this, to get into some of the, the bigger plot points, um, there's the the whole thing where uh, Sandra Bullock's character is, ultimately she's trying to pin the stealing, the, the heist of the Tucson uh, necklace onto her ex-boyfriend who got her framed and put in jail because he used her as like a patsy for uh, a bad uh, a legal deal about something I forget is it? Is it an art deal uh, oh yeah yes. yeah it was an art thing yeah um, and so she's trying to get revenge on him but we don't learn why she went to jail or that this guy is in a position to get for her to get revenge on him until pretty late into the movie um, at which point uh, Kate Blanchett also finds out about this and she gets mad about it and there's there's some character conflict there and I really feel like that is the core, like that's the most interesting part, is like suddenly when, for, at least for me, when it got to that, and I, because I had seen this with you, Alex, in theaters when it first came out, um, and I had forgotten that was the case. And so when it hits that again, I was like, oh right, that's, that's what the, the idea is, and that's why she's set up this whole heist. That's what she spent all this time in jail thinking about. And I feel like that is so much more interesting than just the characters kind of getting together, to come up with some sort of like plan, uh, probably because they're not trying to do something that feels as impossible as uh, the first movie, Ocean's Eleven, mm-hmm. um, because the Ocean's Eleven is very similar, and it even has a similar thing of the Julia Roberts connection. And Brad Pitt gets mad at George Clooney because he didn't realize that Julia Roberts was part of this whole thing, and George Clooney's trying to win her back. Um, but that movie, I think, the premise is a lot more interesting, where it's like, okay, we've got this vault, we've got to break into it, it's you know, impossible to break into, we're going to figure out how to do it. And it just gets off to the races, where this one is like, yeah, we're trying to steal this necklace, and we're kind of revealing a, a little piece by piece of how we're getting there, and, and like what, when we're going to do it, and like what we're doing to make sure that happens. Uh, and so I felt like... I would have really preferred for them to have that reveal for the audience earlier. I think Mm. it would have helped a lot if the audience knew that was Sandra Bullock's motivation so that then you're, you're suddenly like, Oh, this guy's a jerk. Uh, Richard Armitage is the worst. I want to, I want to see him go down. Um, And so like that, I think would have gone a long way to keep at least me, I know invested for the earlier part of the movie. Um, and then you can still have the reveal of, you know, Kate Blanchett finds, sees that guy's name. I forget his name in the movie. Um, Becker? Claude Becker?
1: Oh, yes. I'm pretty sure it's a Thorin Oakenshield.
0: Thorin Oakenshield. She, (laughs) she looks at the, at the party seating and she's like, ah, yes.
2: That's the real reason Kate Blanchett is angry. She's like, I, I shall never side with a dwarf.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I, I did not even think of that. That's interesting. Uh, anyway um you can still have that reveal for her and for the other characters involved in the heist and then there can still be tension there um and you and that adds some irony or or not irony some drama dramatic irony words that's what i was going for um because then you're like oh we know that this is really what sandra Polk's trying to do and the other characters aren't yeah this is just one thought on how you could fix it um i think ultimately the the style of the movie plays into this as well because uh, it is a very a little bit... Like the the second one we talked about. Like Ocean's 12, it's a little bit lackadaisical. Um, and so... I, there's probably other fixes you could do. But that was just the first thing that came to mind. And when that happened, I was like, that feels weird that we're just now finding out about this. Um, when we... There has been relatively little character stuff going on up to this point. Um, mm, as far as my best thing... Um... I think I'd have to say it's the entire end section of the movie starting with uh, really kind of when James Corden shows up. (laughs) I was going to ask how you both felt about that. Because I actually really I think that's a really fun piece where, where he pops up as an insurance investor, because then it's not just, oh, they pulled off the heist. They got away. Movie's over. Um, we, we get this fun section where we're finding out how the investigation happens and how it ultimately gets pinned on her ex-boyfriend. Um, and James Corden's going around and being silly with people. Uh, and I think it's kind of fun. I, I think that that and the payoff for the, the characters, um, the, the fact that, the, I guess this is slightly before, is the reveal that they actually stole all these other diamonds uh, and that the the necklace was just a, um, like a a way to throw people off the track, because obviously they're all criminals and they're at this party, or a lot of them are, and they're at this party, and so that's gonna arouse a lot of suspicion, and they had to have a Um Oh, and um, what's his name? The contortionist from the original trilogy pops up.
2: Oh, yeah, uh, uh, y- Yen is it just the end oh and ruben's at the beginning
0: ruben is at the beginning but um but ruben is not a contortionist yes i believe it's yen yes it's yen yeah okay (laughs) Uh, the amazing yen yes uh yen pops up and, and helps them steal the actual diamonds that they're really trying to go after and uh i think that that entire section that series of reveals and and james corden's little investigation where he's talking to everybody who was involved and trying to get more info um, I think that's all a ton of fun, and I really like that. I think there's good payoffs there to the stuff that they've been building. That's a good heist payoff. Um, and I, I liked it quite a bit. And then, of course, it ends with um, Sandra Bullock toasting to maybe or maybe not dead Danny Ocean uh, hmm. and saying he would have loved the heist. And it's like, yeah, that's a fun nod. And I'm, I'm glad that uh, George Clooney doesn't actually show up and that they leave that unresolved because i think that would have been a little too much and also would have taken the limelight away from sandra bullock who's fun at this yeah um and we got a well, plan into, for that
1: we got a plan yeah. for that ultimate team up versus movie called oceans 21 man coming out
0: i i, I should have come out this year sorry <laughs> i i want that uh we'll, we'll discuss yeah, that'd be fine. Uh, continue it's a real
2: it's like a whole boys versus girls thing <laughs> like that one alvin and the chipmunks movie
0: yeah <laughs> and nothing else Yes, exactly
2: um, yeah, exactly that. Yeah, I'll go. Mine, you know, I, this one didn't, like, resonate with me a lot. I, I, I've said this before. The The Ocean's movies, I, I appreciate. They're just not, like, the kind of thing I tend to watch. And I, I didn't really have, like, any major, major problems with it. This is kind of a thing that I let roll in front of me. Um, so I'm going to say my... my my best thing and my worst thing are each essentially half of the main cast. Um, and the worst is more more about, like, how they're utilized, less than it is the performances themselves. Uh, so <clears throat> I felt, and this is on the quote-unquote worst side, I felt like Bullock, I, I thought Bullock was great in the opener. I really enjoyed her in that. And she has some really strong moments, but, like, she doesn't she kind of disappears and and just is kind of there. And admittedly, Clooney, it's kind of the same deal in the first Mm -hmm. Oceans movie. But like during the whole heist, she's mostly just speaking German (laughs) and walking around. So it's like, I kind of, it's kind of a low energy performance at times, but so was Clooney's. So it's like, it kind of balances, but I wanted a little, at least more screen time from her. But Blanchett, I feel like is barely in the movie. As far as being the the Brad Pitt proxy and being Mm -hmm. Kate Blanchett, it feels like most of her character is just them getting to put her in new, fun outfits, and it's like I kind of wanted to see more of this—who this person is—that Blanchett has, has is is playing. We don't get to see her in roles like this very often, so I wanted kind of a richer experience than just like here she is in a, on a motorcycle, and here she is in a vest. Um, and Mindy Kaling is, I think, quite underused, mm-hmm. um, and and i don't know why helena Bonham Carter had to be irish because i found her accent kind of hard to understand at times when otherwise i liked her performance <laughs>
0: the, yeah this movie i think struggles struggles to juggle the, uh, the I, cast no, absolutely quite a bit more yeah, than I the other agree. three um
1: which is odd because you'd think downsizing yeah. the number of people you're dealing yeah. with
0: would help and it's it it almost is it's more of an approach that like pitch perfect takes where it's like oh we you know we have to Focus in on the main characters, um but we don't have a whole lot of interesting stuff to do with those sometimes, <laughs> yeah, uh as opposed to the the original oceans trilogy is just like oh we're 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 constantly having big room meetups where everybody's voicing their right. opinion, um yeah, and this one, I think it felt like people were on their own a lot more,
2: right yeah and and so then my 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 good side of all. Excuse me. Of all this, was I thought Rihanna was fun. Mm-hmm. I, I don't. I know I've seen her in Valerian. I don't know if I've seen her in anything else. But I thought she she did quite a good job. And uh, I liked Aquafina because I like Aquafina, um, and she has a great line where she says, "You don't have a Metro card? What are you a Taurus? She might have said <laughs> tourist, but I'm going to give Aquafina the benefit of the doubt that it was a zodiac joke. Sure. <laughs> um, and I just in general like Aquafina, mm-hmm. and like I thought Anne Hathaway was good at playing a character I found annoying, but the performance is good because I think Anne Hathaway was kind of, I don't even say she was satirizing, but like, it's like, Anne Hathaway, you know exactly the kind of people you're playing right now. (laughs) You know exactly what you're doing. And I think Anne Hathaway is a, I don't know if I'd call her underrated, but like, I sometimes forget how good she can be. Mm -hmm. And so it was nice to see her in something where she gets to play and, and, and get to kind of run the gamut and do a lot of different things. And I, and I thought that was a lot of fun. Um, I also like that we get a Katie Holmes as herself cameo, (laughs) because it's a nice throwback to Joshua Jackson playing himself, and they were on Dawson's
1: Creek together. Um, Also, Katie Holmes, or uh, the first Rachel Dawes mm -hmm. and Catwoman interacting together was a little surreal for me. Oh, (laughs) that's true. And I thought it was interesting that Dakota
2: Fanning is in it, but she's playing Mm -hmm. an – I I thought for a minute it was going to be Dakota Fanning as Dakota Fanning. To kind of throw back to Julia Roberts as Julia Roberts. But then she was not, she was just playing another actress. Oh, like did a they say thing, that she's not Yeah, herself? they they say that she's okay.
0: Someone
2: it's like Penelope something. Penelope, it's like yes. it's like a throwaway okay, line yeah yeah which yeah, not a big deal but I was like oh I just would've because this is such a throwaway character I would assume they just would've been like do you got Dakota Fanning yeah um,
1: I like to imagine they're just like oh yeah you see Kim Kardashian in the background she's like Penelope Brown.
0: Like, <laughs> like, just completely... They that's do that with wild. everyone in the movie. They just flip, flip <laughs> coins to determine who is actually a character in the movie and who's not. Yeah.
1: That's, that's not Gordon Ramsay. That's... Rorden Gamsey. Regular Joe. That's not Heidi Klum. That's German speaker number one. Um... So yeah, I feel like the overall the
2: cast was not as well balanced, but I think some of them got mater- like I- I'll say quote unquote better material. Yeah. I think a lot of that just came down to like if Bullock and Blanchett are the top build, I feel like they should have more to do, or at least have more interesting things to do. Yeah. Um,
1: but yeah, Alex, uh, my best thing is just going to be the cast. Um, even I, I-, I Slam. Britain. I agree with most of your uh, pros and cons there about. The cast not being utilized maybe the best that they could have been. Um, but I feel like everyone still gets something to do at least, so that's nice. Um, and it doesn't it doesn't necessarily feel like we're just like, okay, we've got to reach some predetermined number of people on this team. Let's yeah. just like kind of try and retrofit a script around that. It feels like everyone still has a part to play. And um, I, you uh, kind of neglected to mention Sarah Paulson. Oh um, right, and I think this might have been the first thing I had seen her in, and I feel like she, you know, she she makes a pretty solid impression in this. Mm-hmm. Um, She's fine. I, I, yeah. I thought she was quite good, and and she kind of got a lot to do. Yeah, and, and and it was nice to see her not
2: play an unhinged woman who's acting nice but is probably going to kill somebody, which I feel right. is most of her career these days.
1: Right. Yeah, and, and I haven't really seen much of that. Like I saw her in Glass. I saw yeah. her in this, and that's I, I saw her in the um, O.J. Simpson miniseries, which she's quite good in, uh, oh, but yeah, a very different character um, yeah. from from what she normally plays. So yeah, um, yeah, she's she's quite good. Every, everyone's really good, and yeah, that was the one thing I was kind of uh, you know frustrated by. I was like, can we get more scenes of them all interacting yeah. together? Because like at the end, when Anne Hathaway shows up and she's like, you guys are completely screwed. This James Gordon's on on to all of you. And it's like, oh, that's really fun. They have a lot of witty banter and – I don't know. When they were actually working together as a team, that was kind of the highlights of the movie. Yeah, they had some um, fun stuff with like – when they were – they are all like gathered around watching stuff together and working yeah. on that. Like I, I enjoyed that. Yeah. No, definitely. Um, I think my – probably my worst thing is going to be that Soderbergh's stylistic choices are like completely removed from the movie. Sure. Um which isn't to say like this movie is slick. It's stylish. It's it's got a nice polish to it, but it it at the same time it feels like very generic Hollywood movie. Yeah. Like here is just the big movie that with a with a star studded cast that's made by someone who's who's worked a lot in the industry, like a lot of experience under their belt, but it's just like a Hollywood movie. Yeah. And it doesn't really have like a very specific voice to it or, or mm. distinct style aside from. Hollywood movie um and I felt that way all the way through from production design to just kind of how how it was edited together um which is to say like it's all competent but the thing that I think all of us kind of latched on with the previous three movies was kind of Soderbergh's like his mm-hmm. take on on the material and I did um apparently Soderbergh is does have a producer credit on this mm-hmm. um I thought he was kind of like completely removed. I don't know how much of an impact he kind of had on, on this at all, or if they just kind of went to his house and said, we want to do one, but it's all women. And he was like, sure, fine.
0: <laughs> and he was um, like, sure, fine. Pay me a hundred thousand dollars. We'll give you one. Pre-
2: if you want to use that one screen transition where it's through a bunch of lines,
1: you gotta, you gotta, you gotta pay the piper. <laughs> um, I think I probably like this the most of the three of us. I didn't really feel any pacing issues at mm. all. Like I didn't find myself kind of getting bored or anything while I was watching mm. it. I think this is once again like like the the last three, maybe the the second one notwithstanding. Um I think it's a very light, breezy, fun film. Yeah. Uh, yeah
0: I would not disagree with that.
1: And I I'm amazed like cuz I'm just thinking like I I'm I'm just trying to imagine <laughs> what that audience score, like, trying to read into that and imagining what a lot of people are saying. And yeah. I, I think this is one of, the, one of the the cases where, like, changing it so that it's all women is, is actually justified and they, they don't do it in a super dumb or pandering way and it still pays respects to the la- the previous films. Like, I think all of that was actually handled really, really well. Because I, I feel like one of the mistakes with and, – and I haven't seen it, but with, with the, the Paul Feig Ghostbusters movie from 2016, one of the mistakes with that was, oh, we're doing like a reboot. We're going to have mm. some cameos from the cast, but like forget those previous movies even though it's basically the first one all over again. Um, but with women. Um, and I, I feel like that's just like a huge slap in the face to a lot of fans. Just like you no, know, completely forget that previous stuff. This is the new thing. You must accept the new thing. Um, whereas with this, it's like no, 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 no. The previous movie still happened, and I was worried. I remember the first time we watched it when they say like Danny Ocean is dead. I was like, oh, you're oh, you're taking that approach to it. But then there's like several jokes of like, oh, we don't even know if he's in yeah. in there yeah. or not. Like we don't know if he's actually dead. He may have faked his death. And I I don't know. Like it, it just it handled all that stuff in a super smart way. Yeah, I, I, I agree.
2: (laughs) I didn't see the new Ghostbusters, And that's, and that's our review of Ocean's (laughs) (laughs) 8. No, well, something I was thinking about with this movie that, so, so in, in all three of the previous movies, there was, not only was there a job they were trying to pull, but they had a, there was a human target. Like, the, and there was a sense of the movie giving us uh, uh, a reason to want Andy. Not not, and they weren't trying to bankrupt anybody. They certainly weren't trying to kill anybody. It was just, oh, we're trying to, you know, take down Andy Garcia or take down. We're trying to take down Al Pacino. We're trying to get out from under the dead of Andy Garcia. Or we're just trying to get. We're going to rob these casinos that Andy Garcia owns, and Andy Garcia is a, a jerk, right? And mm-hmm. so. You also, there was a sense of, like, revenge or sort of moral high ground or whatever in all those movies, which is, I mean, that is very male. Not always in a bad way, but that is a pretty male thing. And it was interesting watching this movie where there is no target. There is no person. Anne Hathaway has the necklace, but she's really just the person who's going to be wearing that. They're not trying to get at Cartier there are some representatives from Cartier who aren't nice, but that's not like they go, those Cartier guys are mean to us. We should steal a bunch of their stuff. Right. It was just like, Oh, okay. That's just what this is. Right. It was lit, which on the one hand makes this lower stakes in a good way that it's like, Oh yeah. We're just like, this isn't about anybody. This isn't personal at all. We're just want to get the necklace and have some money and rob from a, institution that has too much money and who cares if they go bank, like they're not going to go bankrupt and who cares to lose this money. Nothing, nothing truly bad happens. Right. And with the oceans of movies, it was like, we're also robbing from jerks. So that's good. But that all, we also are rooting for them in a certain way. So I don't know it, that absent, the absence of a human target who we dislike, the absence of an antagonist did not make me root against Sandra Bullock's team. But I thought it was just an interesting change that they made to be like, well, this team is not looking for revenge. They're not – there is no antagonistic human, really. They just are pulling off a job, which is both reckless – or not not reckless, uh, feckless, but also, eh, who cares? Whatever. And Um, and
0: to to that point as well, like talking about uh, Richard Armitage, he – they're trying to frame this guy who is not doing the job. Well, but he's not doing the job. Like he's not, he did not actually steal anything. He did screw over Sanja Bullock and did something wrong in that case. But in terms of this, they are trying to frame somebody for something he did not commit. Um, And so, yeah, it is kind of interesting. I I don't think it, I agree. I don't think it necessarily makes you want to root against them, but it is kind of like, it has less of an underdog. Feel sure. because it doesn't feel like they're up against you know big casino. <laughs> they're, they're having right, to right, uh, or they're, they're they're they those guys have had it too good for too long. um Yeah, or or like
2: th- this person has hurt Reuben, and so yeah, we have to go and, and yeah, and, and I I I think that ultimately the two choices balance each other out. Um, in in both movies because I think both Clooney's team and Bullock's team both movies do a good job of being like they are a bunch of criminals, but they're not like bad people. And so you can feel safe being on their side as, as an audience.
1: You don't have to feel morally compromised by rooting for these people. Right. Um Also, I feel like the, the movies, like all four of them are, are kind of aware of the fact that for the most part, what they're doing is deplorable. So that's sure. why the light and breezy tone really helps <clears throat> and makes yeah. it Oh, well, I'm not questioning like, is the filmmaker like endorsing what they're doing? Like it's yeah. like I don't have those issues popping in my head. Like the closest thing I would compare it to it would be the Pirates of the Caribbean movies. Like hmm. when those want to get super dramatic about like, oh the pirates are facing off against like the the British Empire and they're gonna they're gonna fight to the bitter end. I'm like, oh the if they're pirates as they actually existed, there were yeah. probably terrible people and they probably all at least deserve to go to jail. So I don't feel too bad about th- like those yeah. questions get raised because those movies, when it gets to that stuff are trying to take it far more seriously than it, it needs to. Yeah. Whereas with this, it's just like, it's very self-aware. It's very fantastical. It's not, it, it's not asking you to, to, you know, really go on a deep dive of, of morality and questioning the actions of the characters.
2: Yeah. And also the British empire was terrible. So it's like that whole thing is muddy. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and yeah, these movies aren't like the Dow of Danny ocean or something. It's just like, and I think that's why it helps that in all of the movies, they're going after the richest of the rich, the most, the people that are like, we can take this necklace and no one loses their house. like it had in a vault for a hundred years right yeah our our lives get better their lives get inconvenienced like (laughs) where it's it's okay um i did spend a lot of this movie just on a internal britain soapbox monologue about the fashion industry and how it's environmentally (laughs) unsound and like (laughs) (laughs) that this isn't like i just that all that made me uncomfortable but i was like britain that's this is very good, but also don't get mad at Gary Ross isn't doing this.
1: <laughs> don't get, you Britain Britain put down the phone. Don't call Gary Ross and yell at him. You're just like the amount of air pollution that went into those terrible flight attendant uniforms <laughs> that Alana Bottom Carter put
2: together. I'm just saying the way the human species handles clothing is horrendous. <laughs> um, it's terrible. Uh Again, but anyway,
0: th- just those terrible Hannah Bottom Carter. <laughs> Uh, air flight attendant uniforms you know yeah just horrendous
2: <laughs> i did I, this actually i really was happy with how they went about selecting their team that it wasn't just like we need someone who can do flips we need someone with a car we need it was like okay well we're going after a diamond necklace she'll be wearing this at a fashion institute what we need is a fashion designer to get in on the job to help design her and help steer her towards wearing that um so i thought that was cool and, and, then, and then we need someone who can make jewelry so she can make some fake jewelry we'll right. need a pickpocket because it's an ice movie and we'll need sarah paulson's like demolitions i can't remember exactly what her thing was she's
0: the fence i think but she also does have okay <laughs> okay yeah or she um, she helps be part i don't know something like that yeah
2: but I thought that was neat. It was a neat way to distinguish this this team. That like their set of skills. Th- there's not like, all right. We just what did the, what did Casey Affleck and Scott Kahn do? Okay, just get two people and have them be the car people in this movie. We'll have the car women. We'll have the flip woman. We'll have the we'll have the Reuben woman. We'll, we'll get the <laughs> Carla Reiner. Like just will will. I like that this team felt unique unto. Itself, which is which is nice that it was. There are sort of, well, really, there's only like two proxies in Bullock, Blanchett, Clooney, and Pitt, but after that, everyone feels like their own character, which I liked.
0: Right? How did how did y'all feel about the Bullock, Blanchett relationship? Because like again, to the point of not really utilizing them, I feel like they don't try to or they don't let that relationship and chemistry have enough room to breathe and, and be like funnier. <laughs> um, yeah. the, the movie I think got some chuckles out of me. I, I don't know if I can remember any of the jokes off the top of my head. Um, I
1: thought it was pretty funny. It's it's all the way through
0: again. Like, like you said, it's, you know, it's light and breezy. And I think that they, they pull that tone off well by having kind of a good sense of humor about the whole thing. Um, I like a lot of the stuff with Sandra, Sandra Sandra Bullock being a, uh, pretending to be a German, Actress mm-hmm. and, like, interacting with people and yelling at them in German. That's pretty fun. Um, but I felt like they, her and, and Kate Blanchett, did not really <clears throat> capture that sort of spirit. And they didn't have to. Like, I mean, to this to the point you're making, Britton, they don't have to do yeah. the proxy. But, again, these are the headliners. Yeah. And, it, and there are
1: certain elements that really worked in the other movies yeah. that... Maybe you should lean more into. Not to say that you should just rip off those movies yeah. wholesale, but you can't ignore certain elements that really worked. Yeah, and so, and some of that may just
2: come down to Pitt and Clooney just bounced off each other really nicely and just had a great chemistry. And Bullock and Blanchett were fine together. It wasn't they had a bad chemistry. It's just that's something you can't really force. That that's there or it isn't. Right. Um. And yeah, I think you're right. We didn't get. To, I, and admittedly, we're also comparing three movies worth of Pitt and Clooney working together. And sadly it seems only one of Bullock and Blanchett. And so maybe if we had more, they would have had more time to, yeah. to create a new dynamic. That was really fun. Cause yeah, I mean, there's that thing where they, they, they first like Blanchett goes and picks Bullock up somewhere or vice versa. And then they have the, the, uh, uh, confrontation. Um, I did like when Helen Bottom Carter was trying to talk to Anne Hathaway and they were outside blowing bubbles. And I don't know what that was supposed to sign- signify, <laughs> but I thought it was funny. <laughs> and then like Anne Hathaway finally turns around and they're gone, but there are still some bubbles. <laughs> no, that was pretty good. And Sandra Bullock's, I mean, I think she, I actually haven't seen her in that many things, but I feel like she can be a pretty funny actress. Um, And Blanchett's just great <laughs> in general. Yeah. Has Sandra Bullock been on the MCU? Mm-mm. She hasn't, has she?
1: Okay. Okay. She was in Speed 2 Cruise Control.
2: Yeah, that's the same thing.
1: <laughs> yeah.
2: And maybe she'll be like uh, Tom Holland's like,
1: no-nonsense football coach in the third Ooh. Spider-Man movie. Look, Britton, I'm not going to spoil Speed 2 Cruise Control by saying it ends with a giant blue laser in the sky, but... <laughs> next week on here come the yeah. sequels <laughs> it's the blue laser that turns
2: keanu reeves into beta
0: it, ray bill no, it's, okay there you go no i was gonna say you cast keanu reeves as as an animal because keanu reeves is not in speed 2 Correct. no uh, who is the speed 2 leading man? is that is there a leading man i, think I assume that i think it's
1: where... jason patrick or maybe he's the bad guy i think
0: you've made him up um <laughs>
1: Those are just two names. Those are
0: just two names. You got to you got to put a last name in there, Alex, if you want me to.
2: It was Jason Patrick. Um, oh, but Jason Patrick pulled a real Ephron on us and he doesn't have a K on the end of his last name. <laughs> <laughs> okay, also it does co-star Willem Dafoe and Tamura Morrison. Willem Dafoe is the bad guy. Uh Are there three of
1: these?
0: That's fascinating. Nope. Um <laughs> nationally treasured us. <laughs> Uh I was going to say you, you cast Keanu Reeves as Namor and then Sandra Bullock can be like and Sandra Bullock can be the invisible woman cuz that's they got a thing in the comics oh. and then boom you got your movie Namor cruise control and you you fix the speed <laughs> and it's and it's about it's about I don't know like Atlantis falling falling <laughs> at a speed that will blow up if it doesn't I don't know what are movies? Hey,
2: from what I hear, Mission Impossible Seven's a real cruise control over there. Oh boy!
1: Ugh. Try to rope that guy in. I would, I would respect them so much if they called it Mission Impossible Cruise Control. Would I would respect really them so much.
2: <laughs> and Sandra Bullock is the bad guy, <laughs> but she's playing her character from Blindside, who got who went way off the deep end. I thought you were going
0: to say her character from Gravity. Um, (laughs) I came back to Earth,
2: and I brought something with me.
0: (laughs) And this is how we get aliens in the Mission Impossible universe, at which point they call in the heavy hitters, the Fast and Furious crew. Uh, Yeah. It's all all there. Um,
2: It just occurred to me, do you think she doesn't know if Danny's dead because we didn't see Clooney die in Gravity? We all just assume. (laughs) <laughs>
0: that was a hallucination she had in solitary. Yeah. There was a point <laughs> at, the end, at the beginning of this conversation that I wanted to make.
2: Oh, uh, Blanchett and Bullet getting more time together. Yeah, the relationship. I don't know. Now that'd be cool.
1: Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, gotta love that enthusiasm.
0: <laughs> um. Other strong thoughts about this movie.
1: Uh, I watched it about a week ago, so there's that. <laughs> I'm amazed that I'm actually remembering it as well as I am, <laughs> which maybe speaks in the movie's favor. Yeah, yeah. Um,
0: I, so,
2: did you guys feel? And I'm. This may just be me. I feel like the the. When they revealed at the end that Anne Hathaway was in on it and did – and showed us all the replay of, like, it it was Hathaway all along montage. And then that that felt really long to me, and it felt longer than the recap explanation montage of the first Ocean's Eleven movie. This one felt like – that felt long, and then they explained that Yin was there, which – I could see how people would see that yen is, that that is I, I could I could see people thinking that was shoehorned. Um, I didn't didn't bother me. Nice to see him, mm-hmm. but I, I, I mean, could it, see how it, that it was
1: shoehorned. Is. But I
2: liked it. Yeah, <laughs> right, right, right. I could see how the shoehorning could be a problem for somebody. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that that all felt to me like we're essentially just having a new scene as opposed to revisiting the old
1: scenes with this new information but that might've just been me. I I think that that's just a byproduct of having kind of the last, not quite a third, maybe quarter of the movie being like the aftermath of the heist
2: Mm, and just
1: being like, Oh, we need like five more twists to happen in the next 25 minutes. Um, Right. So I think it's, it's not just Anne Hathaway coming in and kind of revealing all that, but it's just the reveal of James Corden and how, uh, Richard Armitage gets screwed over. Like, there's a lot of twists that are kind of built around that. So, yeah, I, I completely see how that 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 could feel like it's a bit too elongated. Um, I don't know if there's, like, Tyler, to your point. I, I mean, I didn't necessarily feel a pacing issue, but I'm wondering if there's a way, like, you could tighten up the first half hour and then give more time to the last half yeah. hour. I don't know.
0: Yeah. I feel like that would be doable. I don't know what you would do exactly. You probably have to change the stuff around, but yeah. Um.
1: I don't know. I, I think part of the problem is with the aftermath stuff. There needs to be a sense of tension mm-hmm. in terms of 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 them being like, oh, like James Corden, he's onto us. Like we could seriously, like we have to fix some stuff. But it ends up being you no, know, Sandra Bullock and Kate Blanchett like had it planned out the yeah. whole time. Which is okay in the other movies because, oh, hey, the movie's over. Like, we literally have, like, five minutes left in the movie when we're revealing all this stuff. I feel like it's different when, like, we're continuing the story. So it's like, okay, where's the tension?
0: Yeah, and I think the... uh, uh, So I'm thinking specifically Anne Hathaway goes to Richard Armitage's house and, like, moves the piece of nef- necklace they hit on him, so that it's yeah. in a more obvious location, and that right. felt weird to me in the sense that like you don't you don't have to add on that bit where they they polish up their own plan a little bit, like you can just have it be. If you see the stuff that they are planning earlier in the movie, um, then you could have that be a thing where you suddenly realize, oh wow, they've somehow snuck. Like we saw them sneaking the piece of the necklace onto him and we didn't realize it. Uh, Or or maybe that's the thing where that's the point of the movie where you have him, um, James Corden shows up and he's like, Hey, I was told, you know, I need to check your jacket or whatever. Um, And he's like, there's nothing in my jacket. What are you talking about? And then he goes and looks and he finds it. And you you show a quick flashback and uh, Sandra Bullock walks by him at the, the party and bumps into him and, And that's how it gets in there. Um, Right. And I think, is that what actually happens in the movie? But they don't, they don't. Yeah, I think that's what happens. Because they then have Anne Hathaway, like, take the necklace and move it somewhere else. It's like, oh, well, that doesn't feel like that plan worked. Whereas.
1: Well, the idea is that not only does she um, kind of put it in an easier spot for the police to find, she also takes a clear picture of it. That's true. That way, James Corden knows. Yeah. Oh, it's the real deal. It
0: is actually a piece of the Toussaint. And I and I feel like you could just kind of cut some of that out and be like, Yeah, you can you can hand wave some <laughs> You can of that. you can like, say, Oh, we have a we got an anonymous tip that you have a piece of the necklace in your jacket. Um, maybe it was like we
1: need Anne Hathaway to be sexier in the yeah, movie. Like we need another opportunity for that. that t- I don't know.
0: That or just I don't know. screen time. I don't know. <laughs> give or maybe you know give her something to do in the movie. Yeah, I feel like
1: yeah maybe that's more of what it was maybe it was like okay now that Anne Hathaway is in on the plot can we give her something to actually I, like she's actively contributing she's being proactive about wanting to be a part of the plot now it's
0: fun that during the heist she's they keep kind of messing with her and we get like some jokes about that and they're trying to figure out how to manage her so that the the plan will work um, Yeah, I feel like she should have just figured it out even earlier, and come to them and be like, I want in to whatever you're doing. And they could have yeah. just done that. And I think that would have made it more interesting if she's trying to help out a little bit. Because she would still, like, have to go to the bathroom to, to help them swap it out. And, like, ha- she would have to, like, act and, and pretend like she doesn't know what happened to the necklace in the bathroom. Oh,
2: and there, yeah. There's
0: stuff you can do with that. I think if she is an active participant, and I think that would make it so that you could extend the heist a little more, and you can make it more about the whole team working together, and then you don't have to spend as long at the end. I don't know. Yeah. I think there's stuff I, to be said.
1: I feel like part of the problem is just the heist itself isn't complicated enough, right? I would agree. like. I, I I still like the build up to it and everything, and yeah. the actual
0: mm-hmm.
1: the heist itself is fun to watch, but. Yeah, Britain. To your point, and I don't know if this is is in the movie's favor or not, honestly. Because on the one hand, I appreciate like, okay, we're not just going bigger for the sake of going bigger. Sure, we've got a smaller cast. Let's try and make this a bit smaller. We don't need it to be. We're robbing fifteen casinos this time. No, it's <laughs> right. it's like a All single of party.
0: Vegas. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, like it's a single party, and we're grabbing some jewels. Like I, I appreciate the simplicity there. But at the same time, I feel like you need to counterbalance that with, oh, getting to these is nearly impossible. Like, we need to make this super complicated. And the movie doesn't really do that. Yeah.
2: yeah. It also would have been cool if they just had someone just, like, take the necklace off like in Great Muppet Caper <laughs> when the lights go down and they aim the neck. <laughs> My jewels! Dave's <laughs> aren't breathing down your neck. You, Alex, you saying the thing about needing Anne Hathaway to be – or the movie needing Anne Hathaway to be sexy. I was impressed that for
1: a movie directed by a man. And written by a man. Oh, okay. Oh, uh, Olivia Milch is also credited as a writer, but it was her and Gary Ross. So, okay. Gotcha. Gotcha. At least they had one female writer in the room. <laughs> right. But that the
2: movie didn't feel like male gazy, and that mm-hmm. it's a movie that takes place with is a lot of women wearing a lot of elegant clothing. And it's never really I mean, like, they're all dressed the way they're dressed, and there's some cleavage here and there, but it, the camera doesn't linger on anybody's chest or butt or anything. It, it I, I was that other was really cool, and that that's a very low bar, admittedly. <laughs> right. But one that is not often cleared, especially by movies
0: we talk about on this podcast.
2: Uh. (laughs) Right, right, and you know, obviously, it's it's. I I, I don't know. I guess what I'm saying is, it's nice to see an example of like, hey, look, men can direct, like, men can direct movies like this and not objectify or over-sexualize the women in them like that is actually very possible it right. doesn't have to be directed by a, It has a like a big studio blockbuster doesn't have to be directed by a woman for the women to not be objectified and it was nice to see that like and, and i'm sure that sure there were producers there that also had an impact on this but i don't know i like that gary ross wasn't sneaking in any you know fall, nobody fell on anybody's uh chest or anything um, <laughs>
1: Well, I I think that that kind of speaks to my larger point of, like, appreciating that this is one of those cases where having, like, an all-female version of something actually made sense to me. Mm -hmm. Um, And and just the the overall approach, like, I I, I don't know, just, just, it really, really worked.
0: Um, I also, I really like the fact that Sandra Bullock is an original character that... They yeah. haven't really mentioned before. I don't know if there's been any reference to him having a sister in the previous no, one. Not really. Um, I like the fact that she just shows up. She's her own thief. It's like, Oh, the ocean family. Yeah. They're all thieves. Right. Got it. Makes sense. Yeah. Because I feel like it would have been really easy and probably wouldn't have turned out well to try to use Julia Roberts in some fashion. Um, mm. And I think that would have been too hard to untangle from the previous ones. And like where sure. you take that. I feel like that could have ended up being.
1: It's like her and Catherine Zeta Jones, sure.
0: <laughs> and I, yeah, I think it could have ended up feeling not as like its own thing, not yeah. as much its own thing. Right. So I like the fact that this one is is just no. She shows up. She's got her own plan. She's got her own high, She's got her own her own history. Um, yeah, and she's gonna do it. And she's gonna get a team together.
2: Yeah, yeah. The, the, it's an original character, but still directly acknowledges that it takes place in the world of the previous movies, that's a world where everyone is a thief.
1: (laughs) Sure. Yeah. Because it's that. And the fact that the last three movies, like it is so masculine driven. And, you know, I think we pointed out that, that we, particularly for the first and, and third, well, even the second one to a certain degree, we kind of had problems with kind of the limited number of female characters and them not being treated the best. Um, Relative to everything else. Um, So it was just nice to, like I said, that that balance of like, we actually have like a justified thing of like, we're taking this very masculine franchise and we're kind of flipping it Mm -hmm. with with having all women for this team. But then also they're going to be all new characters and it's in the same world. Like, yeah, it it feels like they thought through it, which I can't say about (laughs) just a lot of these, these franchise soft reboots and whatnot. and, And I don't know. It'll work. And, I th- and I think it'd be very easy, again, because there's a man behind the,
2: the camera and half of the script, the, I'll say half, some of the script, that, <clears throat> that to have like tokenizing lines. Like the, the best example I can think of is there's a joke, there's, there's a, a mystery science theater episode where they watch a movie called Angels Revenge, which is about a bunch of women trying to take down a drug cartel. But all the women, it's super, like, exploitative, and there's all kind of skimpy outfits and all that kind of stuff. But there's a line in it where one of the women says, women can make a difference. And one of the guys riffing the movie says, "Uh, the director just put that in so he could get laid. (laughs) And I like that this movie didn't – and not that we shouldn't have women state their power and celebrate their power in movies. But I think it would have been so easy for this movie to – some male executive somewhere is like, yeah, make sure they put in a joke about, like, men are dumb because that's what women want to hear or something. I like that yeah. the movie's just like, we don't need to, like, pronounce – we don't need to proclaim to you that we are women and that makes – we can just be ourselves and just be right. strong and it, not have to defend that to you. Yeah,
1: it, it doesn't feel like condescending or pandering in that no, way. No, no. Like, the closest they get is, is Sandra Bullock just, like, putting her foot down and be like, no men. We don't want to to get any attention this time and yeah. men – and I. there's a certain logic to that in terms of like if you have any men and like security guards are actively looking for somebody who's stolen something, right? Uh, they might be more likely to look for men than they would women, especially yeah. at a party like that where the, everyone's yeah. in beautiful dresses and whatnot. Um, yeah, and it's a sly little commentary on like women get ignored and then don't. Mm. And I'm like, hey, yeah. ah, there you go. And, and that's it. Like it, it's a one and done. Like we don't need to linger on that and I, yeah. I appreciated that. Um, yeah. And I, I think just like that, that final montage when they're done with the heist and everyone's like it's it's playing uh, – these boots are made for walking and they're mm-hmm. all in their dresses. And once again, it's not over-sexualized, but they're all – Yeah, Alcofinas is great.
2: I love they the all, color. Yeah,
1: they, they all get the kind of their moment to, to be like really glamorous and like, oh, we, we just did – we did it. We were successful. Like, I don't yeah. know. It worked. Yeah.
2: <laughs> yeah, and, and, and I mean – listeners of this podcast know that i don't mind when movies get political necessarily but i think it just depends on like how you go about doing that and how forced it feels and i guess that's what i'm saying is right i'm glad that the feminism in this movie didn't feel forced and it didn't feel like a cynical production gimmick yeah right cynical yes but it felt like we're gonna have we're just gonna do it like you don't just we're doing this now yeah i watched this movie two nights ago i'm really trying to think of other like talking points
0: not like a, a dense movie i mean there's there's only so much no. to, no, to cover true. so what what is for for the crossing crossing our fingers and hoping uh for the return to this franchise when when steven soderbergh triumphantly comes back to direct oceans whatever uh that combines both cast uh what what's your dream cast from these these two like sets Oh, is it, we can't keep everybody? I mean, I feel like, I guess you could.
1: <laughs> I, I mean, I'm, want I'm fine with if, no Casey Affleck. <laughs> I mean, I want a scene of Aquafina trolling Casey Affleck I, and Scott Kahn. Sure. Yeah, that's true.
0: <laughs> I feel like it would be fun to do, like... Because I, I feel like it's not realistic to assume you could get 21 actors and actresses back for a movie and and have that work. <laughs> You never know a, a, make it, it, make it if happen, anyone B, could do
1: it it would probably be
2: Soderbergh. Maybe so. Also one of your favorite movies is in game.
0: <laughs> yeah, but that's like th- Yeah, that's, <laughs> that's, that's that it's that different. It's very focused situation. on a few That's true. That's on true. on a smaller cast on a cast more like these movies. Um Yeah. That's a good point. Uh I feel like you like you could do like an Ocean's 9 or an Ocean's 10. Um but yeah. you do you do Oceans and the the apostrophes on the other side of the S, so it's like it's the oceans. So. <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah. Thought about it.
2: <laughs> well, I definitely want you you need you need your four. You need Blanchett Bullet, Clooney mm-hmm. and Pitt. I think already before though, you got a party. Sure. You you got the Avengers trying to lift Thor's hammer. You got that <laughs> sewn up. Um Adefo want Aquafina and Matt Damon because mm-hmm, mm-hmm. actually talk about trolling. She I think that'd be a that lot of fun. That actually would
0: be great if he is Awkw- bouncing character. off of Linus but, specifically.
2: Yes.
1: specifically. Yeah. Be into that.
0: Um,
2: I, I, know, know, I, feel I,
1: like... I do feel like there's some characters that you could naturally just like not have included, like like Sarah Paulson's character because yeah. she's. They already established that she has her own family life and kind of where they end off with
0: her, sure, and
1: probably Anne Hathaway, you could also be like, "Oh, she's doing her directing career mm-hmm. now, like right I, I feel like there's there's ways you could naturally leave people off and that that is one thing I actually found interesting that you know, obviously in the second movie, we make a joke in the beginning about what they did with their winnings mm-hmm. and how Andy Garcia kind of just like shows up to to you know threaten all of them i do like how this one takes the time to show what they actually did at the yeah. end instead yeah. of just look at that fountain in las vegas <laughs> <laughs> um sadly we
2: can't get carl reiner back or right. or bernie Mac, um yeah. which is a shame so uh we already have ruben i guess i don't know i i, I really just i'm just really excited about the idea of aquafina hanging out with linus sure <laughs>
0: I'm trying to think of who I mean the and part of the reason I'm asking this is because I watching this movie the main thing I was thinking for a lot of it was man it would be so fun to have Sandra Bullock Kate Blanchett Brad Pitt and George Clooney together yeah. and like yeah I think that would layer the dynamics so well um, and, and just would be insane um, absolutely I I was gonna say I feel like Don Cheadle would be a fun one to bring back because of his yeah ridiculous accent
2: um it's the war machine hella team up we've all wanted. <laughs>
0: <laughs> but yeah, I I, I think there's mm. there's a scattering there where you don't have to bring back like yeah, everybody. Cuz you, yeah. you got you got 9 and 10 open. You don't have to you don't <laughs> have to shoot for 14 at least.
2: True. Now, here's a question. Who if they were to do 9 and 10 and add a different actress to each movie. What are some who are some actresses we would like to see in those in, who, who would like to see join this team for a 9 out of 10. Who do we think would be a fun addition? Cuz I'm going to say I'm I'm going to throw out Tiffany Haddish. I think she's a lot of fun. I think you could have she could kind of blend with Aquafina a little bit, but I think her energy would also be a nice foil, especially to Bullock and, and Paulson. I think that could be a lot of fun.
0: I feel like a very obvious one, uh, at least for us suggesting this, would be Anna Kendrick. Especially yeah. because she's already worked with George Clooney.
2: That's true. That's true. <laughs> could she I, just play her character from up in the air?
1: My, my first thought, and this is just based on Deadpool 2, is, is Zazie Beats. Oh, Zazie Ooh, Beats would be great.
0: That is a good call.
2: Oh man, good call. Yeah, that would be really good. Yeah, Sasi Beats is awesome. Okay, yeah, I think that's right. I think it's just it Zazie in. Beats and the, uh, Aaron Kendrick.
0: Be good. Make it happen. All right, uh, uh, <laughs> Hollywood. Who owns this? Yeah, I don't All know right, what studio owns look, this.
1: Look, look it's warner brothers warner okay. brothers we know you're the worst studio but hey you're 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 throwing the the snyder fanboys you're giving them what they want give us what we want
0: <laughs> yeah
1: give us Zack
0: snyder's if, oceans movie. <laughs>
2: <laughs> and again now I, there has to be a proxy for everybody but i'm trying to think of like the carl reiner adjacent like who would be the like old gun who's who they who they've brought back in who could play a bunch of kooky characters and that's judy kind of their role in the hi- oh god that would be good <laughs> yeah judy or um francis mcdormand <laughs> sure <laughs> yes who's just like stony and angry the whole time but also occasionally very fun Family. uh
1: apparently Snyder's zombie movie is about like a heist in Vegas is it really? with a zombie apocalypse. So, well, there you go. Okay. Tignataro would also be a fun addition to this
2: crew. <laughs> I like Tig Notaro a lot. Yeah. Okay. Well, come on Warner brothers, get at us. And of <laughs> course, Robin Schneider needs to be in the team. <laughs> Robin <laughs> Schneider. She, she's the, she's the like, as herself, and Robin <laughs>
1: Schneider.
2: Um, I and did they're trying to at, take down Talia Shire or something sure. <laughs> instead of Al Pacino.
1: <laughs> I did look at the, the box office for this, and it was successful. Yeah. It had a $70 million budget, and it made nearly $300 million yeah, no, they, they, so it, it I, yeah. I don't know if it's just like... And the critical response was... Yeah, I mean, so uh-huh. I
0: don't, I don't think anybody has said anybody involved has said like, oh no, that's never going to happen. I think, yeah, yeah. it's just maybe well, something's was happening they... behind the scenes. But also, that was like 2018, which was not that long before all Hollywood productions got very yeah. screwed up anyway. So I don't know if there were any discussions, but they have probably been, you know,
2: wrecked. That's actually true because also isn't there a three-year gap between each Ocean's Eleven movie?
0: Yeah. Yeah, and so then three a, years from then is twenty twenty one. Yeah, a huge gap. Yeah, to this one. So,
1: yeah, good point. I do hope that they don't. Whatever they do, I preferably maybe put it to rest because I don't want this franchise to get bad. Sure. Um, maybe just stop here. We're good. We we got it. We we're fine. Um, but if you're gonna continue it, don't don't do a reboot. Don't. Yeah. No. Just have it. Have it be a continuation of this series. Maybe you have a new cast again, but don't don't reboot it. Don't do yeah. that. Not a good idea.
0: I forgot my my okay. my other addition to the cast. I was okay. gonna say they should bring Vincent Gasol back and have him be part of the team. It'd be pretty good. <laughs> that would be
2: <laughs> that's good. I was gonna suggest the Tyrannosaurus from Jurassic Park. Yeah, I think that would be fun. <laughs> They're all like. Alright let's try to sneak by And they're all like Sneaking into a bank <laughs> okay. And the T-Rex is like Dirt Like a uh, cronk In Emperor's New Groove
1: <laughs> No it's uh They're trying to steal The T-Rex from Jurassic World And oh. Ju- Judy Dench <laughs> She She is playing a dinosaur Like she goes beyond the fence And she's <laughs> Pretending to be a dinosaur <laughs> To intermingle And get closer to the T-Rex She was like Is
2: this when Vin Diesel Wanted me to roll for initiative No Judy That was something else Don't <laughs> Just, just make, just make the claws, make the claws with your hands.
0: <laughs> it's, it's the cat's uh, CGI, but it's just scales this time. Right. <laughs> just
2: <laughs> yeah, the Jurassic World: Oceans Eleven or Oceans Eight crossover it's we've all been good. waiting to see. Ah.
1: Ah. <laughs> what are, what are we doing for greats? Uh, Alex, what did I give Oceans Eleven? You gave it a. Hold on, make sure I got everything lined up here. You gave it a B.
2: I'm gonna go B minus with this one. Yeah, I still. I mean, obviously, it's still a B grade. Like that's still positive. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Um, I am also going to give it a B minus. That is the same grade that I gave Oceans Twelve. I think Oceans Twelve is still probably the better made movie. Um. But I found this one had a more compelling story, and I had probably more fun with this one. Gotcha. Um, but Oceans 12 is probably – I don't know. It's hard to say. It, it's its the did I enjoy it versus was it a good movie? You know.
2: Yeah. It's Apples and Oceans. That was good. Ugh.
0: Tyler. I think I'm going to go B- as well. Um, oh my I was, God! I was... We
1: we hit it. We've hit, we've we've won. <laughs> <laughs> we won. Look. Um, the coins just come spilling out. I uh, <laughs> and we're I just like, it. who built this into each of our laptops? <laughs>
2: <laughs> Thanks, Brad Pitt. And Brad Pitt looks down from his helicopter. Anytime, guys. <laughs> and then he flies Is away. that your Brad Pitt impression. Yep. Just Taran Killam with Brad Pitt, but yeah. <laughs> uh, I
0: was, I feel like I'm, I, am on the fence about giving it a B, but I'll go be honest because I, I have a hard time saying for sure if I liked it more than Oceans Twelve. I think ultimately yeah. I do. I feel like it's a more, well-rounded, film. But yeah, this has been, <laughs> this has been interesting. So have we have we discussed yet what our plans are? for the next not not movies. on the podcast um, not, not on i feel air. like we can go ahead no
1: but we're, we're we I, I like to think of it as we, we've we been living too good for too long yeah um because we, we had the muppet we had the muppets well, and, and we had the oceans muppets.
0: well this is my point because we did the muppets movies did the oceans movies and then what did we do before muppets
1: night at the museum
0: and night at the museum yeah that was so these are three yeah. that are like these are solid franchises across the board you know, yep. like I, I, I think as franchises, they they could have been better managed, but they could have been a lot worse managed. But they're just kind of like, like I was thinking about this the other day. I'm like, man, you know, I feel like we haven't had, like, aside from maybe the Muppet movie, um, and obviously Christmas Carol, Muppets Christmas Carol. Um, we haven't had a lot that are just like, man, that knocked it out of the park. That was amazing. Um, right. <laughs> and so, uh, we're certainly gonna get something different. <laughs>
1: <laughs> uh-huh. for the
0: next few weeks. Um, yep. Can I can I reveal? Can I reveal our master plan? Because we are going to be tackling New Mutants next. Finally, uh, yep. probably in like months after we really should have, because we didn't <laughs> feel like it or remember it. Um, none of us have seen that yet. We have no idea what we're getting yep. into with that. Uh, then I'm like the one last
1: fan. Of the Fox X Men franchise, and I didn't even see it. <laughs> I had multiple opportunities, sure, of of going to see that when it was in the theater, and I was like, I'm, I just can't do it. I just, <laughs> I saw Dark Phoenix in the theater, and global pandemic aside, I just, <laughs> I just you kept can't looking do at it. your mask, which was a New Mutants branded. <laughs> I was like I've had this for 3 years even before the <laughs> pandemic they were selling these things
0: <laughs> the movie itself creates a virus um <laughs> a techno virus probably I don't yep. know what they do with the X-Men mythology in that movie we'll find out um and then apparently nothing <laughs> then we are beginning our countdown to Snyder cut um we will be doing uh watchmen crisis we, we call it crisis on infinite snipers crisis okay. on
1: infinite
2: snipers <laughs> Snices on infinite <laughs> snipers please
0: well then we can do Snices on infinite Earths. we can that, yeah, that's yeah, fine yeah. um that's very good uh i'm going to be thinking about puns for dc crossover events rather than what i'm trying to say here uh we are doing right. watchmen well well yeah cause, the...
2: yeah watchmen cuz the doomsday clock is truly ticking <laughs> at this point. <laughs>
0: Um yeah, and when did Watchmen come out? Is that two thousand nine? Uh oh yes. yeah. nine, yeah. Um so we're gonna we're gonna tackle Watchmen because Snyder's superhero movie. We felt like it. Yeah. Um then <laughs> we are finally going to cover Man of Steel. Um a movie that Alex and I skipped. Britton, we you... I don't remember what where we would have started this. I guess we did start this with the Batman Britain franchise. Used...
1: You joined mm-hmm. us with the first Tim Burton Batman movie. Yep. So right around that okay. time.
0: Um, yeah. So somewhere along the way, we could have done Man of Steel, but we did not. Somehow we transitioned from doing Batman into just doing... Like, we went straight into BVS from the Batman franchise, and then just have continued doing the DCU from there. We're uh, just like technicalities. We're just doing movies that Batman's in. Okay? Yeah, and then Whatever. and then it turned into, we're doing the DCU, but we've never done Man of Steel. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and so... We are finally closing the book on, on that chapter. Uh, we're going to be doing Man of Steel. And then uh, it will be here. The, the Snyder Cut has arrived. Uh, God help us all. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. It's,
1: it's going to be the ending of Raiders of the Lost Ark. That's all <laughs> I'm saying.
2: <laughs>
1: yep. Don't that, look at that's... it,
2: Tyler! Don't look! Zack Snyder's Justice League. The Raiders of the Lost Ark, says Alex, <laughs> comparing the two films favorably. Um, <laughs> Yeah. Well, talking of long movies <laughs> that we're going to be watching, uh, my recommendation for this week is, unless does someone else want to go first? I always go first. Do it.
0: You've already started the, the transition, okay. so you know. Okay. I can't let you wait to waste um, that segment.
2: That's true. Uh this is a 3 hour movie, well 2 hours and 54 minutes. Um it is Terence Malick's new movie, newest movie from 2019 called A Hidden Life. Uh it is the story of Franz Jägerstätter who was a I can't remember if he was German or Austrian, but he was a farmer at the beginning of World War II who refused to join the Nazis and the nazis didn't like that he was imprisoned you can pretty much guess the beats of the story and it's a very simple story but it's told in a very malik way which is to say lots and lots of meditative shots of nature and people living their daily lives and whisper kind of mumbled narration and stuff like that and malik's movies i think they tend to be very polarizing and can hold people out a lot particularly something like tree of life which is the most Malik, I would say that I've seen. But I think with this one, it really helped that he's telling a very simple, cause this is a kind of move, a story that could be made into an extremely bland, just like basic nothing movie. But the fact that he's telling it in such a unique way, I think makes it more compelling because it's less about, you already kind of know what happened. So you're not having to worry so much about following it. You can just like get swept up in how it feels and how it looks and the themes he touches on, and the depth of it that he that he touches on, and again because it's a Malik movie, it looks stunning. Like it is a, I watched it on my TV, but like even that, it was just breathtaking. It's so gorgeous to look at. The music is so beautiful, and uh, the performances are are strong. It's mostly people who I'm not familiar with. Uh, the, as an actress, I believe her name is Valerie Puckner plays Franz Eggersdorff's wife, and she's really really good. Bruno Ganz, who played Hitler in Downfall, is in it huh. for a, a minute, and he's pretty good. It, correct um, me if
1: I'm wrong. The lead, I don't know his name, um, but in the kind of infamous bar scene of Inglorious Bastards, he is the SS officer that's that's um, hanging out oh, or sit- he? He's sitting down with Michael Fassbender and uh, oh, Dan. Wow. Kruger yeah, I didn't know that. Okay, that might be it. Might be so interesting.
2: Wait, he is good? Matthias Schoenarts is in it um, for a minute. And, uh, you know, Terrence Malick isn't for everybody, but I feel like this is, unless you went back to like movies in the 70s, this is probably a, a better primer because it's like, I already kind of know what the story is. I don't, like, Tree of Life, you're just trying to figure out what the heck is going on. And then you're like, I know what's going on. How are you telling? You kind of get a flavor for how Terrence Malick tells a story and then decide if you want to go into his more, e- e- even harder to reach like Thin Red Line or The New World, both of which I really love. Um so I liked it a lot, but you know, it, it is it is a very specific type of, of, of movie, and a fairly Britain movie at that. Uh it is on HBO Max and it is called A Hidden Life.
1: I didn't realize that was on Max. I need to go watch that.
2: Um yeah. it, it it does Alex do a thing where it jumps back and forth with what length, whether they're speaking English to each other or German. Yeah. Um I, I am going to guess that that is a choice by Malik to like how what kind of a distance they're holding the audience in, as opposed to we didn't think about it. <laughs> right. I'm gonna guess it because there are subtitles in it. Well, not always actually. So that might even further prove my point that I think it's there's more of an artistic reason for him doing that. But sure, heads up.
1: <laughs> okay. Well, yeah. Thanks for that. Um, yeah, <laughs> it's not like that. Wonder
2: Woman or something.
1: I I've, I've seen Thin Red Line. I saw New World when I was way too young to even understand what was going on. Um, yeah, me too. And then uh, a friend of the podcast, Cecilia, showed me Tree of Life last year, which I actually really, really liked. Um, oh, nice. Which seems like the most anti-Alex yeah. movie possible. <laughs> um, but another, I liked
2: Another good. great Brad Pitt performance in that movie. Yes, definitely. Really good in that.
1: Um, but yeah, well, I then definitely yeah, wanted probably... to check that out. Yeah. yeah,
2: you'd probably hook into it then. If, you, if I mean, if you could like his other movies, I think you'd probably work with this one.
1: Yeah. I, I kind of – once I kind of understood Terrence Malick's vibe and what he's going for a lot of times and just the way he kind of edits things, I – Yeah. It became a lot more uh, palatable to me.
2: Yeah. And then you're saying that there are parts of that you're like, this is just supposed to wash over me. I'm just supposed yeah. to kind of like
1: experience this.
2: Yeah. Nice. That's awesome. Well, who else would like to uh,
1: and tell I'll, I'll go ahead and put my my foot in the door and say that i don't have one this week um i watched i finished off the little things and it's just as forgettable as everyone <laughs> says uh jared leto's fine he's not he's not like magnificent it wasn't like oh this is like the joker performance i was looking for the whole time but he's fine um it yeah. ends up feeling he a he was lot-
2: nominated for a golden globe though they don't just give those to anybody <laughs> car snake lady got a golden globe nomination from anyways
1: (laughs) um yeah denzel's really good in it rami malik's there which is kind of unfortunate um it it, ultimately it's like i can't even remember it's like two hours and 15 minutes and it somehow feels like it's just like an episode of like a procedural crime show um yeah and it ends on a very weird like Morally ambiguous note, and I'm just like, you guys didn't build up to that at all, <laughs> um, or I, I don't know. It, it was, if you want that that type of movie, just go watch Seven. Sure, I'll just yeah. Leave it at that. that that's that's I've I've seen that <laughs> in reviews. Yeah, um, yeah. but yeah, I don't have an actual recommendation this week. I got 30 minutes into Doctor Sleep, and I'm not going to say I was put to sleep, but it's it's i'm curious because as i was watching i was like this feels like a novel translated to a movie like it has a very novel feel i'm wondering if i keep watching it if i'm going to be like oh this should have been like a mini series Mm. when i get to the end of it instead of a movie gotcha gotcha i'll leave it at that tyler
0: yeah um i do actually have one because first of all Britton and i both we had we were all discussing before the podcast we both watched previous alex recommendation nomadland uh, yeah. Real good. Real real good movie. Really yeah. Um yeah. We
2: could t- we're, we're going to rename this podcast "Bromadland" and just
0: talk about <laughs> Um well, we'll it, maybe we'll find an excuse to talk about Nomadland at some point. Is we'll, it one we'll, of, Can we tie will it, it into- be one of
1: those I was gonna say, well, it'll be one of those podcasts where they take like a a, a famous movie, and it's like every episode is gonna be a minute of this movie. <laughs> and it's like, yeah. Bro Land, every episode is a minute
0: of Nomadland. We're, <laughs> we're get... For
1: this minute, she's still looking at rocks.
0: We're gonna get to um the Mar- Is it March eighteenth? Is when the Snyder Cut yep. drops. Yeah. We're, gonna, we're gonna. As of right now, sure. We're going to we're gonna get there, and after doing Man of Steel, it's going to be like, oh, hey, you know, you guys are doing Snyder Cut yet. And it's like, nope, we're doing Nomadland for St. Patrick's Day. Uh, <laughs> and it'll have no rhyme or reason. Um, but I did watch another movie that I've been floating on my list for a while, and actually the reason I found it is because it was recommended as a heist movie, which I did not – I didn't really know anything about the movie, other than that it was very good. Um And I was looking up other heist movies because of the Oceans movies, uh, and I found this. And I don't know if it is a heist movie, but it is a very good movie. Uh, It is Hell or High Water. um, Oh, sure. With uh, Chris Pine and Jeff Bridges and uh, Ben Foster and Gil Birmingham, who you may know as the dad of Taylor Lautner in the Twilight movies. Um, (laughs) Taylor Lautner's character, I guess I should say. But... You, who cares uh <laughs> no it's it's a really fantastic movie about have you seen have either both of you yes i've uh-huh. no, seen it i've seen it alex have you seen it yeah i've seen it I, I think it i would, would be like a... to oh you'd like it Alex? Yes. yeah um basically jeff bridges and go birmingham are it's there's like a buddy cop movie happening on one side of the movie um because they're trying to figure out what these two brothers are doing the brothers played by chris pine and ben, ben foster Um, and they are, uh, trying to rob banks for reasons that become increasingly clear over the course of the movie. There's not really like a heist scene thing. So I don't know that I'd really call it that, but there is some payoff in terms of like what they're trying to do and, and why they're doing it the way they're doing it. So there's some elements there. Um, but it's basically, it's, it's all about like the conflict between kind of the working man and big banks and stuff that you know following the recession um i think it's supposed to take place i think so yeah. early 2010s something like that um it's a it's a modern western uh and yeah it's it's very very good um everybody is fantastic in it and there there's lots of fun kind of twist and payoff and character stuff that builds on itself um and it's just really, really engaging, and it's not super long. I think it's like an hour forty-eight, fifty something in that yeah. range. It's 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 not yeah. bad at all. Like it's it's definitely under two hours. Um, and it gets along at a good clip, and I had a really good time with it. As someone who is like, at this point, I feel like I'm a I'm like obsessed with watching modern westerns. <laughs> like mo- like I I won't go back and watch anything other than the Man with a with No Name trilogy, but. I have watched many westerns created since 2000. Um and for whatever reason that's just a genre that I keep watching more of. <laughs> and uh, it's it's up there. One of these days I'll I'll put together my power rankings of yeah. westerns or western adjacent films since 2000. But Hello High Water is also that was yet
2: another performance of Jeff Bridges being a mumbly cowboy kind of character, but I feel like that movie does so much better with it. Like, yes. That that's the only movie I've seen capitalize on his true grit casting in a way that was interesting and yielded a really great performance mm-hmm. and not just, "Oh, you had him do Cogburn again." Right. Like he's really great in that. And Ben Foster's good in everything. Right. <laughs> so, yeah, that's that's a good movie. Raw too. There's there's some stuff towards the end there where I was like, "Oh." <laughs> yep. Oh, okay. I'm gonna feel that way now, but in a good way. It's a good. It's a good movie. Yes, cathartic. Yeah, yeah, Alex. I think you dig it.
1: Yeah, it it definitely sounds like it's up my alley.
2: Yeah, dusty so, plains and mumbly mans.
1: It's okay when I get like 45 minutes into a hidden life and I'm like, okay, I all right, never mind. I. I <laughs> I I thought I was into this whole Terrence Malick business, but uh, never mind. I can go back to my safety of hell
0: or high water. (laughs) I had to watch it
2: in pieces just because it is quite long. I can go
0: back to my gritty cowboys and Jeff Bridges.
2: (laughs) I've watched people scythe a beautiful valley field for about 20 minutes. Maybe I should. uh... (laughs) Uh, But there's some really good stuff in there. (laughs) There's one part where uh, his wife delivers a monologue right into the camera, and it's great.
0: Kind of like oh, the end of Cats, stuff.
1: Judy. <laughs> <laughs> a hidden cat. <laughs> I, I was going to say, what, what did did she was? It, it wasn't Malik's direction. It was her going. If I look at the camera and if I say these words long enough, maybe he won't cut me from the final edit of this movie. <laughs>
2: oh God! Yeah, that's the. Uh... Have you heard that story, Tyler? Mm-hmm. The the so the Thin Red Line is a World War Two movie. And Adrian Brody was the lead, except that he ended up not being because in the final cut, Malik cut completely a completely different cut where Jim Caviezel and Sean Penn were now the focal points, and Adrian Brody was in one shot of the movie, and he didn't. Adrian Brody didn't find out until he was doing press for the movie, and like reporters would ask him, like, "So who do you play in the movie?" And he was like, "I'm, I'm, I'm, I'm the lead," <laughs> and they were, and like the other cast members were like. Oh, no. <laughs> like, I've heard Clooney tell the story, and I, I think several of those people were like, we may
1: not work with this guy again. Christopher Plummer apparently wrote him a very strongly worded letter, and we'll never work with him again. Plummer was not pleased with his
2: editing on New World. Malik does things his own way. Sure. is his, Yeah. Uh, not apparently a, a, an abusive man, but certainly a man who is going to make his art the way he's going to make it, and you're you're there, you're not. So Interesting stuff.
0: You can find oh, us online at herecomethesequels.blogspot.com. On you can find us on Twitter at hctsequels. You can email us at herecomethesequels at, at gmail.com. You can find us on iTunes, Twitter. I already said Twitter. SoundCloud, uh, Spotify, Places.
1: I would like to apologize respectfully because uh, I, 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 it had slipped my mind when I was saying that that Christopher Plummer passed away, not like three weeks ago. Um, Do we have a eulogy for him? I don't know. No. Did we say anything?
2: Uh, I'll say that I love him, and he yeah. was and will always be amazing. <laughs> yeah, I've recommended Beginners on this podcast before, but like, go watch Beginners at Movie Owns, and he's brilliant in it, and he's great in
1: everything so yeah i love that guy
0: all right next week new mutants um
2: (laughs) whiplash
0: (laughs) no that's after the snyder cut so we can kind of Ah, there it is the levels maybe it'll be fine maybe the snyder cut will be fine i don't know
1: yeah hey guys you're Tyler. right. Maybe it'll be really Tyler. Fun. You're 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 making the same exact mistake that I did before BVS. <laughs> don't If there's one thing you can learn from me in this life, it's don't do that going into a Zack Snyder. Film. I will say Don't tell yourself maybe it'll be fine. I will
0: say the best possible outcome is that one of us maybe it'll be me, maybe it'll be Britain, one of us <laughs> comes out of the Snyder cut loving it. Um I, I feel like that would, be, that would be a good time because I, I can't imagine we all will. Um, and I definitely yeah, know we, you won't, Alex.
1: Can, can we place bets on, on like what the percent chance is that each of us thinks that the others will like it? <laughs> how, how long is this one
2: rumored to, to be? The oh, it's four count. hours. Four hours, yeah. Okay. How long until um, stock, home... Syndrome kicks in.
1: Three hours and fifty nine minutes. <laughs> no. <laughs>
2: yeah, I, I just, I just picture Alex sitting down to watch BVS, being like, maybe it'll be great, maybe it'll be great, maybe it'll be great. But he's already, he's been like, just, just compulsively eating popcorn. as soon as his butt touches the TV, he's like, I'm out of popcorn. Has <laughs> to like go back. in. And- we're fine, we're fine, we're fine It's gonna be great, it's gonna be good We're gonna be okay We'll do it live Oh my god <laughs> yeah. yeah But yeah, uh, New Mutants is next week I don't, I've, I've not watched the trailer I still get that movie d- confused with The Disappointments Room That Gore Verbinski thing, I think Was that one it? With Dane Dahan, maybe? I, I don't, don't know Could not tell. No, me. that's uh, a Cure for Wellness That's what I'm thinking of I get all three of these movies confused with each other um, so we'll see what happens uh, with New Mutants, and we'll find that out. And also next um, week,
0: if we'll have to pay for it, because I keep uh, I keep looking to right. see when those March twenty twenty one. Oh snap! It's out. Should we announce live on the podcast if we're gonna have to pay for New Mutants? Or not?
2: <laughs> yeah, do it, do it, and then we'll launch our Patreon.
0: I'm not, so. I'm not seeing it in here. Although Oceans eleven, thirteen, and twelve, which they've written in alphabetical order, but that's <laughs> sure. Uh, they are coming to HBO Max so there you go. Nice. Um, no, I think uh I think we're stuck. I think we're going to have to give money to New Mutants. It'll be it'll be Alex's last sacrifice to the uh to the old the old X-Men franchise.
1: Yep.
2: <laughs> oh boy. Well, uh I guess I'm going to go Pick up some extra shifts down at the factory. <laughs> go, go, go! I'm gonna go go lay some tape down on some Amazon boxes. Get ready to pay for New Mutants.
1: Uh, I've been Britain. I'm just gonna go dramatically wander the vistas of of the Western United States,
0: Northwestern. I've been Alex. <laughs> I've been Tyler. I'm gonna rob a bank. Yo, and you're having a good night. <laughs> <laughs> this is not a legal confession.